For your awards consideration, Max presents the HBO original Perry Mason. The legal drama returns for a critically acclaimed second season and reckons with what it truly means to be guilty. Don't miss the series IndieWire calls an elegant, arresting noir. Emmy eligible for outstanding drama series in all other categories, Perry Mason is now streaming on Max. We're here today on Crew Call with the writers and the producers of this weekend's number one film at the box office, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Chris and Phil, welcome. What a fantastic weekend. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank Thank you you very much. We're uh, happy to be here. I heard something at the premiere that you guys had just finished locking print less than two weeks ago. Is this true? It is true. (laughs) (laughs) Why did it? I mean, obviously COVID and we'll get into that, but why tell us about why it took so long? I mean, this was an extraordinarily ambitious film um, in terms of its visuals and every aspect of it, honestly was, um, was trying to do something <laughs> that hadn't been done before and using systems that weren't, didn't exist before. Um, so anytime we, you know, wanted to like figure out ways to make it even better, it, it it's not easy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a process that, uh, that, was going to go down to the wire and then we pushed it as close to the wire as is humanly possible. We, we, we play to the buzzer. That is true. However much time there is, we use all of it. And, and the computer doesn't want to do this. <laughs> you know, like it wants to like make it all look like light. In fact, all of the systems around the production want to do that right into the DI. Like we were in the DI suite with, um, uh, with Natasha uh, Leonette, who's an incredible um, color timer, and talking about how it can't look like light. It has to look like paint. <laughs> and that's a different palette. That's a different, like, approach. So it took a while to, like, figure out how to um, <laughs> pervert all of the systems that are designed for other things to, to, to act like an artist. So let's go back to the first film. The the whole conceit to have this avant-garde form of animation. First of all, we've seen Spider-Man animated several different times on television. But since we are going all multiverse and twisted, hence the conceit for this avant-garde type of animation, no? Yes. I mean, you know, when we started... Uh, making into the Spider Verse, uh, the the concept of the multiverse was still relatively fresh to audiences, and there were the studio partners who were worried that audiences wouldn't be able to follow. Um, they obviously did, and uh, and now it's sort of omnipresent the the multiverse, so it's not that interesting <laughs> uh, anymore to do uh, to to rely on the multiverse as uh, part of your storytelling tool. So. There are two things that came out of that. One was it was an opportunity to use animation as a way to 
to make it cinematically feel like no other uh, movie could about about the multiverse, where each world could feel like its own animation style, its own artistic look, like you're walking into a different painting by a different artist. And that way that made each uh, each universe that we visit its own completely bespoke and distinct thing where each time you're going like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this before. And now I've never seen anything like this before, which is something that we could do that others couldn't. And then, but then really what it meant was it's a lot of bells and whistles and, and dazzling fun, but um, nobody will really care unless you're telling a story about uh, something personal and about a relationship uh, that feels emotional and intimate um, with all the, with all the epic razzle dazzle. <laughs> it doesn't and matter. If, that, if the style supports the emotional point of a moment, then it's great. <laughs> right. If it's style for style's sake, it's pointless, but if it's there to, to make you more intimate with the characters, it, it matters. So in layman's terms, the first film, it's style, something of a rotoscope? No rotoscoping. In, in terms of its um, technique, it's just great animation, great animators. You know, they're sometimes using reference cameras, but it's usually just them <laughs> into their like desk cams. Um, and it's all based on observation. There's no tracing. There's no motion capture. It's just looking, right? Um, and I'd say stylistically, the first film is just trying to look like, a you know, a great drawing all the time. And the way that like flipping through a comic book by an artist that you really love, how it has personality and, um, and it has emotional depth, even while it's it's not afraid of its own two dimensionality, right? And then this picture, if that's like walking into a drawing, this is like walking into a painting. <laughs> At least that was the, the the theory. And I was gonna, I was gonna building on that. I was gonna ask, and the sequel describe what what else was being built upon here, right? Well, I mean, yeah. So the first one. You know, there were really like in figuring out ways to make, you know, as Phil was talking about earlier, make light not be just light. Uh, in the first film, you know, light was half tone dots like you would find in comic printing and shadows were, were hatchings uh, like you would like you would ink them. Um, and um, and there was, uh, you know, a painterly texture that was throughout the uh, throughout the, the film and 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 depth of field was indicated by um misregistered color separation like a printing process for a comic book it was all based on sort of trying to have it feel like classic comic book um um art uh concepts and there were visits to other different styles like you know spider ham as more of a looney tunes style and uh, Penny Parker as more of an anime type style, et cetera. This film, because we go into other worlds, we, you know, each one is based on, um, on its origin. So we, we started in Spider Gwen's world, which was based, uh, on the comic book covers of her, of her comics, which are done in this beautiful watercolor sort of drippy painted style. Uh, and, 
that felt like it was a perfect opportunity to be kind of a mood ring for Gwen's emotions so that when she was angry, it would get active and vibrant and with hot colors. And when she was sad, it would, they would get more muted and blue and it would feel more like it was dripping. Uh, and so the world was a way to sort of let you connect with the characters. And then when we visited, uh, uh, Pavitra Pavakar's world, Spider-Man India, that was, um, you know, that was based on these, uh, um, Indian comic books from the seventies and eighties that had these bright acidy colors and very like, um, quick sketch lines and you can really see all of the dots and the flatness on, on it, but it was really busy and vibrant. And the idea for that was sort of, it was the first world that Miles was going to go into when he wanted it to feel like, uh, Dorothy going into Oz where it's going from black and white to color. And so the idea of like a busy, loud, colorful version of Mumbai meets Manhattan seemed like, uh, like the perfect solve for that. Overwhelming, right? You wanted it to feel like, he sudden he feels so adept in his world and to go somewhere else for the first time it puts you on your ass <laughs> and you know you have to take one of the coolest characters in the movie and make him feel bewildered and so we try to help the audience experience that with him and then when we go to the future we go to um, Miguel O'Hara's world it's all based on um concept art from people like Sid Mead who were, you know, commissioned to help imagine the future by like NASA. <laughs> and if you look at their artwork, all those sketches, like they don't bleed through to the edges of the frame. They always stop short. You see the, um, the, the underdrawings and it kind of gives you the sense that like the future isn't completely written that there, it's something open-ended about it. And um, we, and it's really just a good guess about what the future is going to be like. And that seemed really on point for the movie. So every, every place we go, it, it has a, you know, it has a, as a story an emotional idea that's undergirding the, the stylistic experimentation. For your awards consideration, Max presents the HBO original Perry Mason. The legal drama returns for a critically acclaimed second season and reckons with what it truly means to be guilty. Don't miss the series IndieWire calls an elegant, arresting noir. Emmy eligible for outstanding drama series in all other categories, Perry Mason is now streaming on Max. You've got a ton of projects going on with Lord Miller, your production company. I mean, you, you had the, the second, you have the second season of, of after party, which is coming out in July. And I know you were working on that last summer. You've been working on this for the last five years. You had cocaine bear that you produced. How do you balance all of it? Particularly an animated film like this, because are your Tuesdays and Thursdays devoted to, to Spider-Verse? <laughs> if only it or your was Monday, that Wednesdays organized. And Fridays? We tried to organize it at one point and it didn't work. It didn't, yeah, it didn't last. It's sort of, there are certain periods where things get more busy and, and less busy. And uh, it ended up being a, a situation where certainly for the last several months, it's sort of like, it's going to be Spider-Verse unless, uh, unless we we carve out a few hours for this or that, uh, depending on which, which project it is. But some, but you know, 
when we're juggling after party, it'd be like, okay, I'm going to do it today at after party and then tomorrow at Spider-Verse. And, you know, it was a messy, fluid thing. And it was like, okay, nights, I'm going to, we'll, we'll look at these cuts of Clone High. And then, and then we've got, you know, the silk room that we're going to visit tomorrow. And, um, it was, uh, it was a lot. But the easy and the, the short answer is you have to have great collaborators, you know, like, Anthony King on After Party, um, you know, these all the incredible filmmakers on Spider-Verse, Angela Kang on Silk and on and on and on, you know, Elizabeth Banks on Cocaine Bear, um, you know, there's you need to be working with great people so that, you know, they're carrying the ball most of the time. <laughs> and and hopefully we're, you know, on some projects we're really leaned in on some of them. We're just trying to be the you know, a, a sounding board or someone to pinch it or come in at a high leverage moment. Um, but part of the fun is working with other great artists. And, uh, you know, like Spider-Verse is a little different from some of the other things we produce because we're also, you know, the authors of it and it. And so, you know, we produced a movie called Strays that's coming out in August. And, that you know, that is, you know, it was written by this guy, Dan Peralta, very talented and directed by Josh Greenbaum, also supremely talented. And it was a, it was a wonderful experience we could come in and help out, uh, at, at periods of high leverage, you know, and we would be able to help, you know, shape the edit and work on the script and help with some of the, the voice records and, uh, and, and went to the, the shoot in Atlanta for a week, but, it was at the end of the day, it was Josh's uh, baby and he was, we had a lot of faith in him and he would show us things like, what do you think about this or that? And we'd be able to, you know, give our, give our creative help uh, when it was needed. And, um, and then, but, you know, allow him the space to make it the thing that he wanted. Are we going to see another stylistic level up? With Beyond the Spider Verse, <laughs> that's the hope. God willing. <laughs> can you tease? Can you tease what it might be? Well, there's a couple new places that we get to go to, um, that were very difficult for us to do on this movie, and you see them in a couple of characters. Um, an example is like Hobie Brown, who's rendered is one of the most challenging characters to render in the whole picture like most of his shots didn't come in until the last month <laughs> because he's rendered to look like a punk zine and he's also the animators can control how often he, he changes and which parts of his body are rendered which way and then the lighting artists come in and make it all look like it was done in five seconds using like a copy machine with no toner, but they're actually using all these incredibly sophisticated tools and shaders to pull that off. And, and on top of it, drawing on top of the frame and doing all these kind of lo-fi things to complement it. So to make a whole world or a reel in that, in a, in a, in a style like that is a, is a challenge we're looking forward to. Yeah. So visiting spider punks world is just one of many crazy mixed media uh adventures that we're that we're gonna have in the next one and so it'll be uh you know a wholly new uh sort of feast for the eyes 
And you'll lock at the end of February. Yeah, we'll lock the day <laughs> it comes out. Exactly. <laughs> We're running the prints to the uh, all the theaters. <laughs> exactly. So um, a few fan questions here. Um, Miles glitching potentially, will that, his glitching potentially become a new power for him, like Vanellope and Wreck-It Ralph? Oh, interesting. Um. I, I like the idea of turning weaknesses into strengths. <laughs> uh, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, we, it's quite possible we'll steal that idea right now. It's yeah. uh, it's not too late. <laughs> um, and then what was the inspiration behind making Spider-Man 2099 in particular an overseer of universes and having him break his own continuity? Well, it, it you know obviously started with us putting him at the end of the first movie as the person who, being from the future, had developed the technology to um, visit other dimensions in a controlled way. Um, and it seemed like he's such a great character and he has an a, a amazing run in the comics and he's such a layered uh, and tortured but ultimately good person um I, I think it's useful also that he's been around for a minute you know like he was introduced when we were kids reading comics and so he has that sort of legacy that lends itself to a character who's trying who's essentially a preservationist right um and he's so macho <laughs> It's strong that he also, I think, does a good job of being a formidable adversary. Will we see other multiversal variants of Gwen Stacy in the future, even if they don't have spider powers like you do with MJ, Uncle Aaron and Miles? Currently, yes. Yes. Currently, yes. I would say that. (laughs) Yes. I think and I think that's on the page. It is, uh, I, I think that that, you know, I, these things evolve as they go. But, but there's one I'm very is, excited about. Yes. Me, yeah, I know exactly the one you're talking about. You know the one I'm thinking of, yeah. which is based on. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. But it is, it's a sort of plot integral, I would say. If there are other multiversal variants of Gwen and beyond the Spider-Verse, will they impact her arc, her relationship with Miles? I would say yes. yes. <laughs> this is fun. This is like a yeah, we, have to, we have to stay really coy, but uh, <laughs> but there you go. Why was Agent Venom in Spider-Man 2099's Council if he's technically a Venom and not a Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, man. It's a real gotcha journalism happening here. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotcha fandom. I think there's, I think there's uh, probably too much orthodoxy uh, applied to who is a Spider-Man and who isn't. <laughs> so um, in terms of what's next for you guys, aside from beyond the Spider-Verse, when will we see you back behind the camera for a feature, live action feature. There's a, there's, there's a few things out there. There's a, there was a few projects to announce. There was, there was the premonition. There was project Hail Mary. 
what looks to be the most realistic one that we'll see in the most immediate future? Uh, we're hoping it's Hail Mary. I think, um, um, you know, it, that looks the closest. Uh, we have a great script by Drew Goddard um, and, uh, you know, and a great a collaborator and star in Ryan Gosling. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that next year. Assuming that the studios get their act together and uh, and end the strike. And then after party season three, I got to think it's happening. The writer's room was in the middle of, uh, of its run when, uh, when the strike happened. And so it's been put on hold also. Uh, and another one, you know, um, another one that once, once the strike ends and, uh, and they start, you know, paying everybody fairly, then, uh, then we'll be able to get back, get back to it and finish that up. But we're really excited about it. It's, uh, it's a fun one. You would think we'd have run out of genres by now, but somehow we have. There's more. <laughs> Look, you opened the door, so I have to ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your just? What is your feeling on the strike? Do you think? I don't know. They'll there's there's a peaceful medium to be had. I certainly think there's a fair deal to be had. You know, it requires both parties to um, be at the negotiating table and i don't think that the amptp gave a serious counter offer until that happens you know we'll we'll all be on the picket lines but it's certainly possible you know the, the thing that to keep in mind that's like very simple for to understand is writer pay is down 25 <laughs> percent, and budgets are up and executive compensation is up um it's not sustainable that way and I think a fair deal is absolutely within reach. Lord Miller, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to very you. Very enjoyable. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.